1: CISA issues joint cybersecurity advisory on Citrix bleed. Law enforcement takes down pig butchering operations. Altman will return to OpenAI. Israeli honeypots deployed during wartime, a renaissance in electronic warfare. Ehab Shreim, chief technology officer at CSC, shares how the growing popularity of AI is giving cybercriminals a new avenue to take advantage of some of the largest companies in the world and online safety during the holidays. I'm Trey Hester filling in for Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. The authorities in Australia and the U.S. have issued some advice about the Citrix bleed vulnerability. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Multistate Information Sharing and Analysis Center, and the Australian Signal Directorate's Australian Cybersecurity Center yesterday released a joint cybersecurity advisory outlining LockBit 3.0 ransomware affiliates' exploitation of the Citrix bleed vulnerability, also known as CVE-2023-4966, affecting Citrix Netscaler web application delivery control and Netscaler gateway appliances. CISA notes that both cybercriminal and nation-state threat actors are exploiting the vulnerability, which received a patch in October. The advisory is worth your attention, so please give a look. In separate operations, authorities in the U.S. and China took action against pig-butchering gangs. The U.S. Department of Justice seized almost $9 million in Tether altcoin that had been accumulated in the course of pig-butchering investment scams. Acting Assistant Attorney General Nicole M. Argentieri of the Justice Department's Criminal Division said, quote, Through this significant seizure, we disrupted the financial infrastructure of an organized network of scammers who stole millions from victims across the United States. These scammers prey on ordinary investors by creating websites that tell victims their investments are working to make them money. The truth is that these international criminal actors are simply stealing cryptocurrency and leaving victims with nothing, end quote. Tether worked closely with investigators to identify the fraud, which had some 70 victims, and to secure the stolen assets. The other enforcement action was on the other side of the globe. The Wall Street Journal reports that Chinese authorities went after the criminal operators themselves. Working with both the government of neighboring Myanmar and with the warlords who control effectively autonomous regions along the Chinese border, they've arrested 31,000 alleged gang members since September. Much of the pig butchering affects Chinese citizens and Chinese expatriate criminals figure prominently in the gangs who conduct it. As a reminder, pig butchering is protracted fraud that prospects and exploits targets over a long approach, metaphorically fattening them up for financial slaughter. The marks are almost always lured by either catfishing romance scams or by the promise of wealth through sure thing speculation. Details remain to be worked out But last night, OpenAI announced that its former CEO, Sam Altman, who was fired last Friday, would return to his old job. The move appears to have involved compromise on both sides. The Wall Street Journal reports that the company will get a new board, initially consisting of three members, Brett Taylor, former co-CEO of Salesforce, Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary and President of Harvard University, and Adam D'Angelo. D'Angelo is the only member of OpenAI's board to retain a seat on the new board, which Taylor will chair. The board may be expanded with six more members, but who that might be is still undetermined. Altman will not be on the initial board, according to the information, and has agreed to an internal investigation of whatever conduct the previous board interpreted as a lack of candor. As of late yesterday afternoon, Bloomberg reported that Altman was still in talks with his old company's board about a possible reinstatement. If he were to return, sources then said, it would be as both CEO and member of a transitional board. He will have the CEO job back, but not a seat on the board. Discussions are happening between Altman, CEO Emmett Scheer, and at least one board member. The talks also involve some of OpenAI's investors, many of whom are pushing for his reinstatement. Scheer, who had been the second interim CEO to serve at OpenAI since Altman was dismissed Friday, is said to have indicated that he would not stay unless the board can give him a clear account of why it fired Altman in the first place. The New York Times reported that the company's board was divided before the firing. OpenAI seems to have been troubled by a deep and evidently irreconcilable disagreement between sanguine utopians who saw artificial intelligence as fundamentally benign and sought to push it to market as fast as possible, and melancholic dystopians who were more alive to the potential dangers of the technology. That tendency was represented by board member Helen Toner, who had published a paper that appeared critical of OpenAI's approach to safety. Turning from crime and commerce to hybrid war, The New York Times writes that electronic warfare has been a relative strength of the Russian army. That army's ability to jam drones in particular and to successfully geolocate radio frequency emitters accurately enough for targeting has presented a contrast with the army's otherwise lackluster tactical performance. Ukraine and its suppliers are adapting, using hackathons and what the Times characterizes as a startup mentality to respond to the demonstrated Russian capabilities. But the full spectrum of Russian electronic attack and collection capabilities remains a problem Ukraine has yet to fully solve. So GPS signals have been a common target of Russian jamming. This is most commonly thought of in terms of interference with positioning, but GPS signals are also a source of precision timing. Disruption of timing can interfere fatally with elements of the power grid, and thus, they're expected to figure prominently on Russian electronic attack targets lists this winter. CNN reports that Cisco has developed and delivered switches that give Ukraine ergo Ukraine's power authority, redundant timing to compensate for any GPS interference. The switches placed in electrical power substations ensure those substations' connectivity will work even in the absence of GPS. Interference with GPS is not confined to jamming and is not confined to Russia's war against Ukraine either. Commercial aircraft are experiencing spoofed GPS signals intended to mislead aircraft positioning and navigation systems during flights in the Middle East. Wired reports that the incidents appear to be centered on Baghdad, Cairo, and Tel Aviv. Who's behind the activity is unknown, but in terms of capability and opportunity speculation has centered on Iran and Israel. And finally, Thanksgiving traditionally in the United States marks the beginning of the holiday season. This, of course, also marks a season of buying, selling, and of charitable giving. Since so much getting and spending and giving are now online, the security industry has some advice for all to keep in mind. We will not be publishing tomorrow or Friday, and we hope you'll be observing the holiday as well. But in the meantime, check out N2K Cyber's compendium of advice on the holidays. You'll find it near the top of our stories on our website. And of course, a happy Thanksgiving to all. Coming up after the break... Dave Bittner sits down with Ihab Shrem, chief technology officer at CSC, to discuss how AI is giving cybercriminals a new avenue to take advantage of some of the largest companies in the world. Stick around. Our own Dave Bittner sits down with Ihab Shreem, Chief Technology Officer at CSC, to discuss how the growing popularity of AI is giving cybercriminals a new avenue to take advantage of some of the largest companies in the world. Here's Dave.
0: So today we're talking about uh, the recent domain security report that you all put out and some interesting findings here when it uh, comes to AI. Um, Can we start off with some high-level stuff here? Can you give us a little overview of what prompts the creation of this report?
2: We are in the back end, a registrar, and we are in the brand protection services as well as the anti-fraud protection services. And we offer these services for our customers. And what we noticed is that there is lack of focus on anything outside, per se, the D-mark of a corporation. As you know, the D-mark of any corporation could extend to the to someone's uh, remote site or house or any remote fields, uh, data centers, etc. Having said that, um, we embarked a few years uh, ago on building this Global 2000 uh, Security Report to highlight the importance of domain security on the internet. We think it's a blind spot for a lot of security professionals, not because they are not focusing on it. It's because they're focusing on defending the enterprise, and they do a very good job, say, within the perimeter of the uh, enterprise. But outside the enterprise, we see a lot of gaps, and this is the missing link, and that's what CSC is trying to highlight in the industry.
0: Well, let's go through some of the highlights together here. What are some of the things from the report that really caught your attention?
2: Very very good question. We've noticed that 43% of of the .ai domains are registered to third parties. And that's that's really critical because as you know on the domain name industry, we get new extensions all the time. For example, the traditional ones were .com, .net, .org, .biz, .us, etc. Well, that's now extended to everything. It could be .ai live, Uh, .app, and so forth. The most recent one is uh, .ai or artificial intelligence. And having 43% to be registered by third party, meaning the brand owner does not own that domain name that belongs to them. For example, if I were to say company XYZ is operating online, XYZ.com, is operating properly online. Everything is fine. However, XYZ.ai is owned by a third party. And that could be a malicious party. It could be a bad actor, a cyber criminal. It could be a fraudster. Brand owners must own these domain names because that's their online presence. That's their reputation. And therefore, uh, this is an alarming find that we have seen. We've also seen about 21% of the subdomain names don't result to anything. So what does that mean? When a subdomain name doesn't result to anything, it means it's prone to be hijacked by uh, cyber criminals. In fact, if you looked at uh, this phenomenon or this problem, uh, it took place in the past uh, several years where people were hijacking, meaning cyber criminals were hijacking, uh, subdomain names that are legit in the cloud uh, infrastructures. why? Because in general, uh, for example, a marketing team would launch a new campaign to for a new product they are releasing, and by removing the content, they think uh, you know the and the website everything is fine. but in reality, the subdomain name itself still in the DNS zone and it's prone to be hijacked, and that's what we are trying to highlight. With our report.
0: What are your recommendations here? I mean, should it be a a general cost of doing business that an organization should
2: buy up all of these domains? We believe that domain security should be an integral part of the security posture of any company, any corporation operating online, as well as uh, the government sector. What do we mean by that? You have to think in terms of augmenting that data, not through a multitude of vendors. You have to have full access by the security professionals and the CISO to the domain name portfolio. And the domain name portfolio for a lot of companies is global. It will include what's called the GTLD, a global top-level domain uh, like uh, .com, .net, and so forth, or CCTLD, like a .uk. Or that are you? You have to manage that portfolio and watch it, meaning monitor it continuously, monitoring it by a professional team that will disallow any social engineering attacks on it, on on the portfolio, uh, DNS hijack, any domain name hijack, domain name shadowing. Uh, it prevents a lot of phishing attacks, and we recommend that not only to have. An enterprise-level class registrar, which is way different than a retail class registrar, an enterprise class registrar will have the teams that are working 24 by 7 to protect that domain name from add, modify, and delete. It has to be fully authorized, fully authenticated. And of course, those teams are well-trained. Another thing that we would like to heavily recommend as part of the security posture is to look at your DNS as as something that you must watch. You have DNS zones that are not cleaned for, say, 20, 30 years. And this is not neglect. This is part of how the corporation grows. There's acquisitions and so forth. So these are what we call the blind spots, the neglected areas And they are the exposed surfaces to the internet by which cyber criminals try to take advantage of. Of course, we have many other recommendations, uh, such as how do you look at your domain name registrations, modifications, and drops on a daily basis. And if you see something that is suspicious, it has to be investigated. And last but not least, we heavily recommend uh, the ability to have the mitigation piece. The mitigation piece is composed of three parts in the industry. The first part is a takedown enforcement capable to take down any malicious site anywhere around the world. The second one, UDRP filings by which you can file a UDRP to regain control of that critical domain name that must belong to the brand owner. And thirdly, it's the ability to block across the internet. For example, you block across browsers, you share data with your partners, with ISPs, and telco providers.
0: So, those are the tools available. I mean, if, if I'm someone who discovers that my uh, you know, xyz.com domain, that someone has spun up xyz.ai,
2: there are things that I can do to set that right. Yes, uh, there are so many tools uh, in our arsenal today that allows us to, as soon as this domain name is registered, it automatically gets highlighted and alerts our teams. For example, for our customer base, we immediately alert uh, the, co- the brand owner that this domain name got registered not by you, by someone else. And if, if the domain name is dormant, meaning it doesn't have a website, associated with it, or it doesn't have an MX record. One of the things that I would like to highlight is that um, if you see an MX record and there is no website, it tells you that someone is going to do something. What is that thing? Could be a phishing campaign or a a phishing augmented with a malware campaign, or it could be something very, very, very suspicious that will appear very soon. So dormant domain names are a critical part of what we look for on a daily basis. And that should be integrated in the modern security operations center by which it tells you what to do next. And then if you are seeing it, you put it in monitoring, continuous monitoring. As soon as a website is on, the website must be investigated. And if it's, say, a phishing site, you immediately take action with the mitigation arm of enforcement by conducting an actual takedown now of course you 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 domain cast which is you share that data that suspicious domain name that it's associated with that say phishing site uh, you share it with your partners your telco providers the ISPs browser carriers and so forth we have built that the largest network um, of blocking to block malicious uh, URL-based behaviors uh, that involves with phishing fraud. That's
1: Dave Bittner sitting down with the Ab Shrem, Chief Technology Officer at CSC.
0: Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
1: And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at Cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Ivan. Our mixer is me with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show is written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.
2: cyberwire.com slash survey to share your feedback now.
0: And now a word from our sponsor Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations.